When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Uh, time for the panel and joining us out of um, New Zealand's rain capital, especially when there's cricket on, is Aidan McLaughlin. G'day mate, how are you? I am good, Ricardo, and I can report there's no international cricket here today, so it's a beautiful day. <laughs> guaranteed, guaranteed. And uh, from the other side of the ditch from Code Sports, Brendan Bradford, how are you mate? Good mate, very good. Sleep deprived. I, um, but I bet. <laughs> I bet. Um, let's start with you, mate, and let's start with the FIFA World Cup. Honestly, coming into this World Cup, I thought Arnie is an overrated coach. He's out of his depth at international level, and this is probably one of the most average Socceroos squads I've ever seen assembled. Um, how did they do that? Uh, we spoke about uh, a couple of days before the tournament started and just sort of laughed off Australia's chances. Um, here we are. Uh, but... Yeah, I have no idea how they've done it. Just scrappy, um, scrappiness, good counter-attack that goal this morning. It, it, you know, they've been very smart in you know, that sort of transition phase. But just, uh, yeah, just all heart, all belief. It's like they've just sort of uh, gone into, you know, battle mode. They've, they've locked out all sort of uh, outside voices. I know uh, Graham Arnold has sort of said, urged his guys just to stay off social media and not read whatever anyone's saying. It's sort of a siege mentality um, in the Socceroos camp, but uh, it's just taken the country by storm. It's just been amazing. Yeah, Aidan, I, I don't know if you got up at four for the Aussie-Denmark game, but uh, it ruined a multi of mine, I'll tell you that much for free. <laughs> I, I was curious. I'd look back myself at the predictions, the score predictions I'd done before the World Cup, and I had Denmark to win 1-0. Um, so yeah, I mean it's just it's just crazy. But hey, all credit to them. I mean it's just another in a long line of um, shops and upsets at the World Cup, really. But great to see them. What a tantalising last sixteen fixture that is now against Argentina. It's great stuff. Yeah, the Argentinians got through. Um, they, isn't it funny that they have beaten both uh, Poland and Mexico, but lost to Saudi Arabia, who have done the opposite. They've beaten the Argentinians and then lost to the next two. Um, yeah, you wouldn't you wouldn't read about that. And uh, yeah, Messi getting Argentina through and top of the group, which means Brazil Argentina as a semi final is uh, very much still on. Brendan and uh, maybe I don't know. Do you think uh, that? Uh, Cancelo is uh, still going to be gunning for Messi now that Mexico are uh, not going through to the round of 16? <laughs> well, he, he had to um, issue a, an apology. I, I think he said, uh, yeah, he basically admitted he'd, he'd had a few beers, um, you know, a few Coronas <laughs> while he was watching the game, got a bit bit fired up and he apologised to Messi. And, uh, you know, Messi missing that penalty today and, and, you know, Argentina just needed to score one more time. Um, and Mexico probably would have gone through on goal difference ahead of Poland, and, and it didn't work out that way. So I guess that's the uh, that's the payback for for Leo Messi over Canelo. And um, yeah, people over here are already talking about Harry Sutar versus Leo Messi in this uh, round of sixteen game. Um, Sutar just been absolutely phenomenal with at the back for Australia so far. But um, yeah, look for for yeah, you know, in the bigger picture, Argentina Brazil semi final would be amazing.
Yeah, it would be huge. Aidan, uh, what's, uh, what are your thoughts at the moment? I know that you've uh, been watching uh, England, of course, who got through uh, yesterday. That means England are playing Senegal in the round of 16. And we also know, of course, that the Dutch will play the US now. We've got uh, Poland up against France and Argentina up against Aussie. Uh, I guess it's, it's, it's all about permutations and trying to figure it out. I mean, but if things go the way we're thinking, which given this World Cup, they won't, uh, we could end up with a France-England quarterfinal. Hunting in quarterfinal, yes. Um, bit of bit of water on the bridge first. I think you know. I think I think France should beat Poland. I think Poland will give them a game for for sure. But you'd expect the way France have been playing um, that they'll get through. England versus Senegal again. You'd expect England to to come up on top. But hey, I remember going back to 1990 when England had a bit of a struggle against another African uh, side, three uh, two, I think it was against Cameroon. So. You can never count your chickens, can you? I think, um, but I think all things being equal, yeah. If you were a betting man, which I know you are, you'd probably go for that France England quarterfinal, wouldn't you? You would, and I know where your allegiances lie, Aidan, um, over the over in the Emerald Isle. And a friend of mine is over there at the moment, and he just sent me this. This was the chant at the uh, at the pub he was at: North men, South men, comrades all, Dublin, Belfast, Cork, and Senegal. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, forward it to me, please. I will. I will. Uh, let's uh, move on, gentlemen. Uh, cricket, England squad um, hit by illness ahead of that uh, first test against Pakistan, which is uh, due to start tonight. Uh, we might. I don't know if we'll see a delay or if it's just going to be a uh, a week in England. Brendan, you got any uh, thoughts on that? Is that is that something that's been in the news over there? Yeah, I've just been been catching up with it or following it in the last sort of twenty four hours with uh, this outbreak. It, it, They've been very clear. It's a viral infection. It's not COVID. Mm. Um, they've been very clear to put that out. So, really interesting. I don't know if it's if I can remember ever seeing sort of a test match or a game of cricket like this just sort of being delayed for you know reasons like this. Um, but it'd be, it'd be a shame if it doesn't go ahead, um, even if it's delayed. The the history behind this first you know England test in Pakistan in so many years. Um, it'd be a shame if it doesn't go ahead. Got me thinking yesterday. Maybe maybe they're all just watching the football and just want a couple of days off to, to relax and watch England. That'd be the most English thing ever, wouldn't it, Aiden? <laughs> yeah. oh, oh, pretty pretty much. I think apart from uh, when that time when the dogs stole the World Cup back in 1966 or whatever it was. Um, but uh, I think I think that it might be a day's delay. I, th- I think Pakistan and England are on the same page here. They've obviously had a bit of a chat. They said, look, we, you know, we, we want you to put your best team out. If that means you get an extra day and we delay things, so be it. Uh, I think, in the, And that's important given the status of this tour as well to Pakistan. They've got, I think, three days be- between the, the scheduled end of the first test and the start of the second test. And everyone seems comfortable if that only results in a two-day gap between them. So I think, I think again... Common sense will probably prevail and they'll probably delay it for a day. Although it was interesting to hear Joe Root overnight. I think he said he had come down with this infection and he was coming right already. So it'll be interesting to see just how quickly they all do get back on board. And hopefully it is just kind of a 24, 36 hour thing for all of them. Big talk, big opinions, the panel. Talk, talk, talk to me.
We have the panel with us, uh, Brennan Bradford out of uh, Code Sport in Australia and Aidan McLaughlin as well. And uh, Aidan, the uh, third ODI against India yesterday, um, all surprised that we got as much cricket as we did with all the forecasts I'd seen. Unfortunately, finished two overs short of Duckworth Lewis, allowing the uh, Black Caps to get a second victory and take the series two zip. Um, how do you think we are shaping up ahead of Pakistan? I'm honestly not sure how much relevance it's got to Pakistan, to be honest with you. I mean, Pakistan's not for a few weeks. They've had very little cricket in terms of uh, both the T20 series and the ODIs. Uh, I'd imagine that a lot of players will come into the test team before those two tests over in Pakistan uh, in late December and early January. And I heard Kane say in the post-match interview now that, you know, because they've had a, they have had a, in theory, a heavy schedule with the World Cup and then travelling around to all these various fixtures, although they haven't managed to complete a lot of them recently. Um, and there was the, the series before the World Cup as well. So Kane said, oh, look, you know, we're basically going to have a couple of weeks off now just to refresh. So um, they'll all go off. They'll have a bit of a break. Uh, there's no four-day cricket on at the moment because there's four trophy on. Um, but I guess that is the nature of international cricket. You kind of bounce around from country to country, format to format, and it's not unusual for a touring side to basically go into two tests with zero preparation effectively. So I don't really think we can read too much into the last week or two, to be honest with you. I think it could be quite a different team that actually takes the field in that first test in Pakistan. Yeah, it'll be interesting, uh, won't it, Brendan? Because, I mean, I looked at things and I thought, well, 145 from Tom Latham in that first ODI. Uh, he hasn't been in the Black Caps for a while, doesn't play T20 cricket, so that's got to be a good thing. But you look at the schedule, uh, 27th of December, we start a test against Pakistan in Karachi. Then we play another test uh, early January, and then it's three ODIs after that. Uh, not exactly ideal preparation preparation when you know New Zealand's about to go into super smash mode yeah and and also you know, coming out of just such a crowded white ball sort of couple of months um, I was just trying to figure out trying to remember when the last time that some of these guys would have played red ball cricket uh, the last test was by the time they uh, you know walk out to play Pakistan it's going to be six months between between test matches I think or, or close enough to it um, I, I think that's you know that's that's probably the issue, um, and if they're not going to be playing between now and then either, how you know you know how sort of pre- prepared are they, and how good are they going? I know we're, we're going to talk about Australia um, in a second, but um, it, you know it was it was notable yesterday that Marnus Labuschagne and Usman Khawaja played a lot of Shield cricket in the lead up to this Test series. So um, I think just the pre- the preparations might be uh, a little strange for you know yeah coming out of a lot of ODI and T20 cricket two tests and then back into some more um, shorter format cricket as well but uh, yeah like you say that's that's the way of the world at the moment um, the modern game I think there's still we're still adjusting to it in many ways the sort of global schedule of the whole thing yeah uh, yeah I think you're right uh, it's going to be you mentioned it um, Aidan in terms of what the uh, what the makeup of that New Zealand team will look like because the last time we played in the subcontinent in a test series uh, you remember was before England and Rajan Ravindra was, uh, you know, who's really been an opening batsman who bowls a bit of spin, was named as the spinning all rounder and batting at seven, um, and he played all three of those tests. And the word out of the New Zealand cricket from Gary Stead was, look, you know, he's the project going forward. He is our spinning all rounder uh, for when we play in these conditions. You know, it looked like he was ahead of Mitch Santner and Michael Brace wasn't on the scene at that point in time. And you thought, okay, well that's all well and good. Then we get to England. And they let him go to Durham, didn't play him at all. Um, 
and Michael Bracewell, the second test against the Poms, comes in to do that same job. So I'm not sure where Rajan Ravindra sits anymore or what that whole conversation was about. It's a really good point. It's a really good point, and I'm, it will be interesting when that squad is named just to see if he is in it. Um, I think he is still in their thoughts. He is a young man, um, perhaps, that once they had a look at him up close, uh, they just thought, hey, maybe we'll go a slightly different route with him here. But uh, obviously to us who aren't part of those conversations and that wider discussion, it can be quite confusing. So uh, I think he will come back, whether it's this tour to Pakistan or in the future, I'm not quite sure. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're quite right. Look at someone like Michael Bracewell who's come in. Um, be hard to bet against him being in that squad. Mm. And then, I mean, where does Ajaz sit? You know, does Ajaz come back in, uh, the premium spinner in New Zealand cricket? Um, but he hasn't played for, for quite some time for his country. Uh, but he done pretty well last time he, he had an outing. Yeah, he did. He did pretty well. Tell you, somebody who hasn't uh, gone particularly uh, particularly well in any form of the game of late, Brendan, is uh, David Warner. Uh, when I had a look uh, this morning and saw that Aussie had finished 292 for two, um, I expected Warner to be amongst the runs, but he was out early for five. Uh, question marks starting to come about his future in the Australian team? Uh, I know, you know, he's sort of fielded questions, not about form or, or you know, his place in the team but he's getting towards the end of his career he's he's almost looking at, at retirement um they played played a, a an odi series here against england just a couple of weeks ago and it's probably his his last white ball cricket in australian colors um australia's not back here for another year or so um so yeah that, that might be it for him but um yeah we're just watching him yesterday it was slow um the west indies were they didn't try a whole lot, but they were very sort of disciplined. They opened the opened the innings with with four slips in the gully. It was it was a it was a bit of a throwback. It was really nice to see, and it just kind of seemed like David Warner was getting a bit frustrated, um, and he yeah, just slashed it one, just going away outside off and, and cut it back on. Um, you know, when when he middles them, you know he 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 could have scored, you know, fifty off about forty balls, and and um, you know, Australia away laughing doesn't always work out from that way and I think um, yeah just like I sort of mentioned before his lack of his lack of uh, longer format cricket over the past couple of months probably showed out there I think and on that too you know you mentioned the England series I mean England versus Australia is one of the great rivalries in in cricket uh I was talking to Ken Rutherford. He suggested to me that uh, the Australian public might be a bit over this Australian cricket team because they've realized they're pack of dickheads basically is a, I think is the way he put it and they're not really that you know you can't really identify with them that well we had 10,000 people show up at a 100,000 state, people stadium in the MCG to watch England versus Australia that's got to be a shock to Cricket Australia surely because I mean that would have cost them a bundle yeah that's it's not a good look and I reckon um, those numbers were were inflated a little bit I don't think there was 10,000 through the gates maybe if you if you're counting people, you know, staff working at the bars and 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 media and groundsmen, um, there was no, yeah, I don't think so. And yeah, it is a is a genuine worry. Um, there were same same crowd figures yesterday. It just cracked ten thousand, I think they said at over in Perth. Um, and like you say, the the Australian men's cricket team is just on the nose at the moment. Um, and there's there's a lot of different reasons why. Um, I I, th- I think when they're not winning. It's easy to turn on them. Uh, you know, it's easy to um, sort of sweep things under the rug when you, you know, when you win that T20 World Cup last year and then sweep the ashes basically, and everything's all, all rosy. But um, you know, when you 
when you're knocked out of the your home T20 World Cup early, um, and, and people aren't going, it's it's easy to start sort of pointing the fingers. Um, the the Justin Langer situation, I think a lot of people are saying that that's one of the main reasons behind why people are off it. I think it's I think it's a little bit bigger than that. Um, but definitely, it's it's just an interesting time for cricket in general. But cricket over here, I think we don't really know where the where the one day format sits at the moment. People don't have the the time or you know the you know the money at the moment to be going out on a Tuesday afternoon to the MCG to watch 50 overs of cricket. Um, so I think there's there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of change and, and a lot happening in Australian cricket at the moment. Mm, yeah, there seems to be Aiden. It's uh, you know not too many tears shed this side for that though, is there? No, I don't think so. Um, and I think it was interesting, you know, watching that T20 World Cup. Was it not if it wasn't for the Indian and Pakistan supporters that came out in in tens and tens of thousands? I mean, a lot of those grounds would have been quite empty during the tournament as well. I think on the eighty-eight thousand there at the MCG between for the match between Indians and Zimbabwe or something ridiculous. So, yeah, I think there were there were telltale signs that even during that tournament, um, and obviously the Australian performance in that first game didn't help. But um, yeah, people are just starting to switch off a bit. Yeah, I think so. All right, gentlemen. Uh, lastly, there's a story coming out. I want to get your take on this in terms of uh, talk about blokes that have been overpaid for their job. Um, Cristiano Ronaldo being apparently offered by Saudi club Al Nasir a three and a half year deal that'll pay him get this 119 million US a year. Um, I reckon I could probably do that job. I'd probably quite happily run around in the desert for three years for that sort of money. Uh, Aiden, is he worth it? No one's worth that, Ricardo. He wasn't even worth half a million pounds at uh, the second best club in Manchester, was he? I mean, it's Ooh, just ridiculous. Harsh, oh, ha- harsh but accurate. Quite, wasn't it? <laughs> harsh <laughs> but accurate. <laughs> yeah, Un- unfortunately. Uh, I know, unfortunately, yeah. but yeah, but where, where does I mean, it's just how much money does one person need? But equally, you know, the the sporting powerhouse of Al Nazir or whatever this club is called. I mean. How desperate are they, you know, when they have to offer a 37-year-old uh, friend of Piers Morgan that amount of money? I mean, it's just ridiculous. Still a, fan, a fantastic player for, you know, best part of 20 years, but that's just, come on, crazy. Yeah, crazy money, all right. Um, Brendan, that'd be the biggest waste of money you've seen in your time? Oh, it's it's sad, really, isn't it? It's, it's no good. And I, I was reading a little bit about it, and, you know, they want to use them... Um, to you know, promote Saudi tourism and be an ambassador for the country. It's that's sports washing. Um, mm. It's an extension of this Qatari World Cup and, and live golf and, and a few other things. Um, it'd be sad for a player like I'm not a huge Cristiano Ronaldo fan, but he is a generally generationally good player. Um, and it'd be sad for him to sort of leave this legacy. He, he could he's done so much. He's won so much. He scored some fantastic goals. But to, to go out like this, it'd just be yeah, it'd be pretty tough to see. Yeah, it would be. All right, gentlemen, thank you very much for your time on the panel today. Go well, and uh, we'll catch up with you again soon. Cheers, guys.